Listener supported. WNYC Studios. I'm Bob Garfield with your regularly scheduled midweek OTM podcast. The process called Truth and Reconciliation has played out in many places, but in many different forms. The denazification of post-World War II Germany commenced an ongoing 74-year reckoning of the layers of culpability in German society, but was long marked by shame and retribution. In South Africa, by contrast, through restorative justice. In Serbia, the commission to confront Bosnian genocide was shut down shortly after it was chartered, mired in the very identity politics that triggered the brutal Balkan Wars. And now there is Gambia, the tiny West African nation seeking to document the corruption and atrocities under the 22-year rule of fugitive ex-president Yahya Gemma. Culprits have testified one after another with gruesome accounts of political violence, streamed live to transfix a nation on broadcast and especially social media. Julie Turkowitz is a New York Times reporter working in West Africa, and she's been reporting on the story. Julie, welcome to OTM. Thanks. Thanks so much, Bob, for having me. Yaya Gemma was a particularly brutal president of Gambia for 22 years before he was voted out of office in 2016. What was life like in Gambia under his rule? He came to power in 1994 following a coup. Before that, the country had really been seen as a model of democracy on the continent at a time when many countries were living under authoritarian rulers. So he came in and he really had a talent, I think, for obscuring the truth. He at one point claimed to have um, invented a cure for AIDS and in fact took many um, people with HIV and asked them to live on his compound and, and gave them a, a supposed cure, a body rub and a banana. Yaya Jame has, he says, received a mandate to cure AIDS as long as it's on a Thursday and he says he can cure asthma as long as it's on a Saturday. He sent his soldiers to hunt down people that he accused of being sorcerers. His reign involved uh, the jailing of a lot of suspected dissidents, the disappearances of journalists. He was a brutal ruler by many accounts. But he did sort of make the trains run on time, right? He was credited for big improvements in infrastructure and, uh, let's just say, order, no? Yes, this is a very important point. He had many supporters and still continues to have many supporters because he brought um, agricultural improvements to the country. He brought uh, roads to the country. He brought education to the country. And uh, this won him support. Uh, But now he doesn't have JAMA in the country because he's on the run. Where is he? Is he in Equatorial Guinea? Where, where is he? He is in Equatorial Guinea. So at the very end of 2016, he lost an election. And after initially sort of refusing to accept the results, he fled the country and he's in Equatorial Guinea where the, the president has vowed to protect him. Uh, and the, the president himself, this is the president of Equatorial Guinea, has been seen partying with Yaya Jame uh, and a Congolese pop star, among other sort of times in which Jame has been seen publicly to be living, by most appearances, quite happily. And he's probably out of 
reach of Gambian law, right? Extradition, it really isn't in the picture? There would need to be political pressure from uh, other nations to make that happen. All right, so 22-year reign of terror, and now a, a renewed democratic regime is trying to repair the damage that Gemma wrought through a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Who's running the process, and what are they seeking to, to achieve? This Truth Commission um, was created by the legislature. It's not a trial. The point of it is to investigate what happened over the past couple of years in this country. And during this process, which is expected to take two years, there is a lead questioner. His name is Essa Fall. And he, along with other questioners, will be publicly interviewing perpetrators as well as witnesses, as well as victims. Now, one of the key individuals in this process is the Attorney General. Um, his name is Mr. Tembadu, and he will have to decide who is prosecuted and who is going to be held responsible. In a country where so many people were involved, can you hold everybody responsible? And Mr. Tambaru has said, no, you can't hold everybody responsible because they, they need people to testify as to what happened. And in order to get people to testify, they have sort of put out a, a carrot of amnesty. So some of these perpetrators who are coming and saying, I did these terrible things, may be given amnesty at the end. This is one of them, a high-ranking official under Gemma's regime. His name is Malik Jatta. He participated in the death squad, right? Yes, he did. Malik Jatta was part of essentially the, the, the presidential police force called the junglers. He admits to the killing of definitely one of the best-known journalists in Gambia in uh, 2004, this man's name was Daida Hidara. One day he closed the newspaper, was driving two of his employees home, and was shot by an unknown assassin. And it turns out that the unknown assassin was Malik Jata and a couple of others who were with him. When we shot, he never stopped. He drove through the streets. Did you, Malik Jata, fire? I shot, sir. He admits to shooting. He says something to the effect of, I shot. And he says, I'm sorry. And hangs his head. I'm sorry, sir. You were used to kill your own brothers, your fellow Gambians, harmless citizens, correct? Correct, sir. Answer loud and clear. Correct, sir. And this was only one of several confessions of assassinations that he made during these multiple hours of confession. Among the many political assassinations that have been uncovered and testified about in these hearings are the deaths of two American citizens. Who were they, and why were they in Gemma's sights? So the two American citizens who um, disappeared in Gambia in 2013 are Al-Haji Sise and Ibu Job. These were two men. They had grown up in Gambia. I'm more familiar with the story of Al-Haji. I spoke at length with his mother. He had moved to the U.S., to become college-educated, eventually set up a life in Houston, gotten married. They had returned to their country, their family says, to set up a business. And they were in Jamez' sights, according to some of his hitmen. 
because he believed that they were organizing a coup against them. Uh, here's another jungler, Omar Jallo, describing uh, exactly what he did. I, I would caution that this is very difficult tape to listen to. Nuabaji stood in front of us. He said, Yaya Jame has given the other that they be killed and they should be chopped into pieces. Quote, chop them into pieces. And, and that's what they did. These hearings, as you say, are going to go on for two years. One woman expected to testify later in 2019 is a Gambian beauty pageant winner, Fatu Tufa Jallo, who recently told a journalist about uh, being assaulted by the ex-president. And he said to me, I can get any woman I want. Who do you think you are to reject me? And he grabbed me by the arm and pulled me into another room that locked the door. And when I was screaming at this point, I was trying to be as loud as I can. He said to me, no one is going to hear you. No one is here to save you. It is only very recently that countries have started to live stream. So Gambia is not necessarily the first to do it. Tunisia did it. Colombia right now is in the midst of doing it. However, there's limited information about exactly sort of how popular those streams have become. This one, it seems, has really become extremely popular in Gambia and had incredible reach um, because... Not only is it a small country where everybody knows everybody and everybody wants to know everything about everybody, but also there is high level of cell phone access. And on top of that, perpetrators are confessing. And that's probably the top one. I spoke with a truth and reconciliation expert named Eduardo Gonzalez, and he has sort of said that in his view, that seems to be why this one has really taken off, because not all truth commissions interview and publicly interview perpetrators. And so that seems to be why this live stream, which is not completely singular, but is certainly part of a new era of truth-telling, that seems to be why this one has garnered so much attention. These hearings, unsurprisingly, are gripping Gambia, must-see TV. But they're not universally welcomed. Many Gemma supporters, you've written, are dismissing the testimony as uh, either invented or exaggerated or just irrelevant next to Gemma's overall record to build up the country. How big is his base of support? I think that's really, really important to note that this is not someone who is being sort of universally condemned either internationally or within his own country. And that really, despite the evidence of many of these terrible acts and despite testimony that he ordered these actions, there are many people who support him either because he was able to twist the truth or because, as you say, people do not necessarily think that these terrible actions outweigh the good things that he did. I spent quite a bit of time interviewing people on the streets in the community of Saracunda, which is really right outside of the capital. And there were people there who didn't think that the testimony was relevant to their lives or didn't believe it. I met some of those, not not a ton, but I met some of those people. But then when I traveled out to the countryside, Gambia is, is not a very big 
country. I mean, it's only 2 million people. And all along the highway, which I was told that he was responsible for building, there were small communities, small villages, several of which were flying many, 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 many green flags, which are flags that show support for Jame's party, which is the APRC. And so it really shows how there's division in this small country over what exactly happened and what should be the legacy of this person. And what essentially, what is the truth in our country? What When you have an authoritarian regime start to toy with facts, you get lots of people on lots of different pages about the reality. What is the reality of what actually happened? And once you sort of lose sight of a singular narrative in a nation, trying to actually get it back is really difficult. Gambia is a very small country. Um, It's far away from where many of our readers live, but I think that a lot of the things that people in Gambia are going through, people in other countries are going through. And I think that's why we all have something to learn from this process. Julie, thank you very much. Thank you. Julie Turkowitz is a reporter for the New York Times. We spoke to her from Senegal in West Africa. That's it for this week's Pod Extra. For more on the media, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or, and I could not encourage this more, sign up for our newsletter at onthemedia.org. 